Here at The Woven Story, we are passionate about gathering women together from different life experiences and journeys that we can all grow from, learn from, and as women, connect to one another. Let us be inspired as well as inspire. This is The Woven Story. Hello, friends. We're so excited about today. We have a phenomenal young woman. Her name is Laura Europe. She is passionate, she's kind, and most of all, she's authentic. I know you guys are really going to be empowered after hearing her story today. Let me tell you a little bit about Laura, friends. She was born in Jakarta, Indonesia, and at the age of 16, she and her brother moved to the U.S. to pursue school. Laura graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in psychology, and she is now studying a master's program in Seattle. She has a deep love for connecting with people and always enjoys exploring the places and spaces around her. Where can you find Laura? Well, often you can find her playing Uno with her friends or snacking on chicken and a biscuit as they catch up on the latest episode of The Bachelor. Laura, welcome to the Woven Story Podcast. We are so glad you're here today. Yeah, excited. <laughs> okay, so I heard from a little birdie that might know you that your birthday is coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In a month. In a month. Okay, so I got to know, what is your birthday meal of choice? Oh, easy. Easy? Panda Express. Panda For Express. Sure. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, but what do you get at Panda Express? Oh, uh, this is a lot of things. I have to get the chow mein. Okay. And then I have to get the honey walnut shrimp. Oh, that's so good. And then this is, sometimes I feel like I want to get orange chicken or the um, Beijing beef. <laughs> so it's a toss up. Do you ever just get them all? I it's actually did. Mm-hmm. I actually did last week, I think. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> do you usually celebrate your birthdays in a big way? Or a small way? No, I don't like it to be like a huge party. You don't? Mm-hmm. It kind of to be like comfy, cozy, yeah. playing board games. And In your sweat. Yeah. <laughs> playing Uno. Playing Uno. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned that when you were 16, you first moved to the U.S. Uh-huh. from Indonesia, and you came here for school. Did you always know that you were going to come to the U.S. for school? Was that something that was kind of part of what you knew and what prepared you for to move at such a young age? Yeah, I always knew that I was going to move to America wow. when I was such a young age because my mom, actually, she went to college over in Santa Barbara. Okay, and, California. Mm-hmm, and she has always loved it. And ever since we were, me and my brother were little, she taught us how to speak English and only, you know, read American history no books or, yeah, American literature. Is that something and, common? It is not. Okay. It's just a Something dream. that was important to your mom. Yeah, it's a dream of hers. And um, when she went to college, she actually had to stop midway because her parents didn't have enough money wow. to support her. So um, she had to go back, and she was very heartbroken about it. And She went back to Indonesia. She went back to Indonesia. And then ever since then, like me and my brother grew up learning all about wow. American culture, history, and all about that. So it's probably in her heart at a very young age that when she had kids, she wanted to make sure that she could provide for you guys yeah, yeah. to fully go to the U.S. to go to school. Yeah, it's yeah, it's always been a dream of hers. And honestly, me and my brother loved it. Like, we remember when we were little, like, we didn't feel like we missed out a lot. Like, you know, we loved it. Yeah. We loved reading, you know, American history books or, like, American literature and yeah. everything like that. And... Um, I didn't feel like it was hard for me adjusting to move here because of her, wow. because of the way that she thought us since we were little. Yeah. And yeah, it's always been a dream of hers, and now it's a dream of mine to be here, you know, <laughs> wow. living in her dream, and I'm, you know, fully 
Loving That's it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So English is your second language. It is. So what was it like for you coming to a different culture where everyone spoke English? Um, at first, it was, I wouldn't say that it was easy, but it felt somehow it's natural. Because, Comfortable. Yeah, because of the way that me and my brother were raised up. And you were prepared. We were very prepared. Prepared as much as you could be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, my mom was very chill about it. She was like, she let us watch HBO and, you know, wow. MTV. So you got to know the... Uh, that American side. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but that was very interesting as a kid. It was very interesting, but also at the same time, she wasn't very strict about what, um, you know, like what we what we can we cannot watch in a way of like, you know, television. Yeah. And that way she wanted us to expose it. Well, she wanted us to be exposed to it yeah. in her care and in her watch. So that way when we grew up and we got older, we're yeah. not curious about it at all. Yeah, and she could so, talk to you about it because mm-hmm. it was right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. always been the thing with us growing up, you know, like she wanted us to try it under her care. Wow. And so that way we So were you able to have like open communication about like dating and like sex mm-hmm. and like all that stuff with your mom mm-hmm. at a pretty uh, young age? Yeah. So my mom talked about sex since, you know, like she was like, hey, like this is just my opinion. Like I don't think it's, you know, it's healthy for you to do, you know, like to have mm-hmm. sex before you get married in that way. Wow. But also at the same time with alcohol, she's never been like, no, no, no. You know, like wow. when we, yeah. So she was able to have honest conversations with mm-hmm. you. But it was in your home, so it wasn't like you were going to your friends no, asking yeah. all these questions yeah. about sex or alcohol. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I remember when it was just a family thing, you know, like we went out to, we went to Bali. And wow. how we, is that? It's so good. Is it everything everyone thinks and dreams of? Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. And um, we go there often. Okay. And so everyone just had a couple of beers. And then I and then my mom was like, hey, do you just want to try a sip? And I was like, yeah, why not? And then I tried it. And then, you know, like I never had a problem with alcohol or anything like that because wow. she was like, so now you know what it feels like. Now you're not curious about, you know, trying mm-hmm. out behind my back or anything like yeah. that. And, and you're not doing it sneakily with your with your friends mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. your mom's back me wow and, yeah me and my brother are also pretty close like we're so you know close. wow yeah. now uh, what's the age, age difference between you and your brother i think it's about two years okay yeah and does he currently live here in seattle he lives in seattle yes okay. but then he is actually in singapore right now wow mm-hmm. okay yeah. is that hard for you to not have your brother around it is i miss him yeah. like i'm so close to him and we've always been so close since we're a little wow and he has always been my best friend and I just can just talk about anything, you know, with him. And we sometimes talk about, you wow, know, that's our, beautiful. Yeah, our upbringing and like, hey, how are mm-hmm. you feeling about this and that? Because we experience pretty much the same thing yeah. with, you know, with our Well, parents. no one else can relate to you in that no, way because yeah. no one else grew up with you guys. Yeah. And so also to have I, a brother that you can talk with is yeah. beautiful. It's nice. And he's so sweet. Wow. Like, he's just a sweet big brother. Like, he's always been the one to protect me and like, wow. you know, do Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Laura, I've got to know you a little bit off air. (laughs) And uh, one of the aspects that really struck me about your story, um, and I guess our story, is with mental health and um, how you really survive some really challenging seasons. Um, If you feel comfortable, would you tell us a little bit about what you went through and maybe how and when you first recognized that something was off with how you were feeling? I was in UW when I realized, well, I was also studying psychology. (laughs) So, and then I know about all about the symptoms and everything like that. And then one of the things that our professors told us is not to self-diagnose yourself. Hmm. So um, I just went on with my life. A lot of things had happened 
then, you know, in that year, in 2013, where, you know, like, my ex-boyfriend uh, cheated on me and then moved to Ohio. And then wow. ended up, How long were you with him? I was with him for almost two years. Okay. So and, a significant amount of time. That- yeah. He's also very close to, like, all of my friends. Okay. And he still is. So wow. when he um, cheated on me and moved to Ohio, everyone's still best friends with him. So yeah. I couldn't really, Which is way harder. It is so hard because also at the same time, I don't want to... We, you know, like, we have such a close friend group that we don't want to bring anything, you know, like, we don't want to talk about anything bad about anyone's, you know, sure. back. Because they're all best friends, and, you know, so I couldn't really talk about my So you probably breakup. didn't have the freedom to really share Mm-mm. that he had cheated on you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have that. Um, well, except for my brother, you know, like, we're best friends, so we talk about it. Um, so that happened. And then a few months after I heard that he moved to Ohio... He um, is engaged to this girl. Wow. And they Just talk- a few months. Uh-huh. And then they... It's like a dagger to the heart. Uh-huh. It's pretty, like, significant. You're like, oh, okay. I was with like, you for two years, and uh-huh. you cheated on me, and yeah. now you're engaged. And then in a year, they're married. Wow. So, um, but they invited me to, to their wedding. Did you I, go? I have to know. I decided to go. Wow. I decided You're a to bigger go. person. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if this is a good option for me to go, but I'm just going to go and, you yeah. know, like, get it over with. And so I went. And it was the beautiful, you know, the wedding was beautiful. It's just amazing. And I love weddings, you know. I love yeah. it all. And they have um, their reception. They talk about how they first met. And um, <laughs> they talk about how they first met. And I was like, uh, I was still, I was still in a relationship with you. Like, oh boy, it was so, it's so messy. And then, at did that, you feel in those moments like almost invisible? Yeah, it like, feels this like this is all happening. Am I even like, is anyone acknowledging that I'm here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I would imagine in those moments you feel really not seen. It's just a series of thinking that I'm not important, you yeah. know. So that event happened, and then with my ex boyfriend, and then my best friend at the time, which I trusted her with, you know, like every secrets and with all my life and everything like that. Even with my family secrets, I told, you know, I told her about what's going on, and she, um, she dated my brother at that time. They ended up breaking up a few months after I broke up with my ex boyfriend, and then um, I didn't know what happened, but she just completely stopped talking to me. Wow! And she moved to Boston with my brother. So wow, that happened. so that's like grief. Mm-hmm. Like you're literally dealing with like a loss. Yeah. So loss of my ex boyfriend of two years, a loss of my best best friend of what two and a half, and then my brother moved to Boston too. So which means so you lost your support system. Mm-hmm, which means yeah. I'm all alone in Seattle. Yeah. And um, I and didn't you're still know, going to school at University of Washington yeah. at this time. Yeah, still going to University of Washington. I didn't know what happened with her up until my brother told me, like, hey, she's been talking behind you, Mm. like, all this time that you're, like, you know, being, you know, like, telling her all your story and everything like that. When you think that she supported you. Which is violating. mm -hmm, When she think that she supported you, like, she wasn't. Like, she was talking bad about you behind your back the whole time. I couldn't believe it because I was like, really? Like, she was so nice. She was so sweet. And then my brother was like, yeah, that's why we broke up because I, at that point, I was like, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I couldn't handle all the stuff that she was saying about you behind your back, like wow. all the bad stuff. And I was like, okay. was that hard for you to trust people after that point? Yeah. Because that's really violating. Mm-hmm. I closed myself off at that point. I told myself, I don't need anyone. Like, mm. And then it spiraled, you know, like I was just isolating myself. I didn't trust anyone for a good year and a half, I think, wow. before 
I learned how to like live with my anxiety and depression. So wow. it was just a very dark moment of me isolating myself, not believing the good in people and just, you know. What did that look like in like your practical life? Like as far as like what is depression? What did that look like for you? Yeah, for me, depression felt like it's always a dark and gloomy day every day. Mm. But also at the same time, it is all happening in your head. Mm. So people look at you and they're like, oh, you're fine, you know. But then mm-hmm. on the inside, you're just like, oh, my God, like I'm barely, I barely made it, you know. Like, yeah, you wake like I up, barely got here. Yeah, yeah, I wake up every time, every morning. And I'm like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to be here, you know. Like, wow. I don't want to even want to live, you know. I don't have hope anymore. Yeah. It's just very lonely and dark and wow. honestly hopeless, yeah. So one of the things you said to me that I thought was really significant is you said, um, Depression is like when a friend is mean, you can just unfriend them. Mm -hmm. But when it's your own chemical imbalance, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And that's how you described being in that depression moment. And I think that it really describes depression in such a beautiful way. And the fact that like if you're feeling when when someone's like trying to like be mean to you, right? You unfriend them. Yeah. (laughs) But when it's yourself and you're your friend is you yeah but you're trying to live with yourself yeah it's your own brain telling you you're not good enough you know Mm -hmm. no you're not important you could die right now and no one cares about you you know Mm. like it's all of those stuff and sometimes if um you're dealing with depression and anxiety it doesn't happen you know like oh every few hours or so and then the thoughts came back it's every few seconds or so you're reminded of yeah it could be as simple as um I remember when I went to class and I went back and then I was like well I did a good job you know like I went to class you know I'm really proud of myself that I went to class finally after two weeks you know and then you sat down and you're like well why do you go to class anyways like you know it's not gonna matter in a few years like yeah did you have periods of time where it was hard to go to class yeah I stopped going to class for two weeks straight because I think um at that point, everything just was dark. Like, I could not remember a single thing. Like, I didn't know what happened within that two weeks. Like, I wow. I lost a lot of weight. Also, at the same time, no one saw me at all, yeah. like, leaving my apartment. So you forgot to eat? I forgot to eat until yeah. I was, like, really, really hungry to the point that I almost threw up because I was wow. so hungry. Then I was like, oh, like, you know, what time is it? And then you're like, oh, wait, it's Wednesday, and it's, you know, I don't wow. know what time it is. And I remember you sharing how you would be on the couch and be either have a show on or something and all of a sudden it would be six hours later yeah I, yeah that was a very vivid moment in my life where I was like oh my gosh what just happened mm-hmm. that's when I realized I was like oh something's going on so yeah. I went I remember I went to class and then I went back and I just sat in my bed and I was just looking that way and then I have my microwave clock on my right <laughs> and I was just feeling so exhausted so I was just like I'm just gonna sit down for a little bit and then I'm gonna make some dinner and then uh, next thing I noticed it's pitch black and I was like, wait, what time is it? Why is it so dark? And I looked over. It was, you know, it's six hours later. And I didn't realize that was happening. And that would just happen the whole time. And then at that point, I realized I need to to seek some help. Seek some help. Wow. Mm -hmm. I can um, so relate to that. Um, I know when I was dealing with depression, I dealt with suicidal tendencies as well. And I think that it comes so swift and so fast. Yeah. And depending on the maturity of where you are in your life, <laughs> yeah, um, it can feel like very dark, dark, dark. And 
Um, I know when I've described this to people in the past, when I say dark, it's, it's like darkness without any light mm-hmm. there. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel at that point. No, it's just dark, 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 dark. Um, have you ever experienced anything like that with suicidal yeah. thoughts? I was really hopeless. I truly thought that I don't, I don't matter in wow. this whole earth. Like if I, with my relationship with my family and, you know, like the friends that are just not good for me at that point, I was like, I'm no one needs me and no one wants me and you know people treated me so bad in the past that I'm like I'm worthless I don't I don't feel like I'm you know like I'm worth any time you know like anyone's time and I was just like no I'm I'm I don't want to do this anymore and at that point when you don't I have no reason to live I'm done like you know like I why am I living in this pain every single day I can't see past that you know it was just again it's so dark I had multiple suicidal thoughts Hmm. of just like I'm gonna end my life I'm gonna end my life I'm gonna end my life finally I decided to just do it wow and I did it three times three times it was all mm -hmm, it was all through methods of you know it's physical sure so it was with a knife or anything like that you know but yeah the fourth time that I you know truly committed I took painkillers i threw wow. 300 capsules of 300 painkillers and wow. i was you know i was done truly yeah. i was so done with life and i was so done with people i was so done with everything yeah. i was done with my life yeah you know and so i remember when i took it it took me quite a while too like i was you gonna know? say and at that point i really committed committed yeah you know like you know with the physical outwardly trying to kill yourself you see blood and then automatically yeah. you're gonna be like oh my god you know like i need to stop well, and I think what's significant about that, too, is you're in such a dark place that you're making that decision over and over and over mm-hmm. to take all 300 of them. Mm-hmm. And so that shows, like, how dark and how scary it can get. And it in those so moments, too, it wasn't it wasn't as though you paused and were like, I'm going to call a friend. You were, like, at that point where you're like, I'm done. I don't think I could even explain you know, like the pain that I was experiencing. It was all hopeless and dark. I was crying because I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it. And um, I remember when I went over to my friend's um, apartment, which was like right next door. And I told her, I was like, would you wake me up tomorrow? Because I didn't tell her anything. I was just, would you wake me up tomorrow? I have class. Still committed. Committed. Wow. Went back and then I started crying. And then I remember, I don't have a relationship with Jesus or God. Um, So at that point I was like, you know what? God... I'm done with me, but wow. if you're not done with me yet, then, you know, show me, then prove wow. it to me because I'm, that's it. That's it for me, you know? Um, and then I remember waking up to the sound of my friends knocking on my door. I opened it and now she was like, well, you're up. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks. I walked back to my, ven- uh, to my bedroom and I realized that just happened last night Wow. and I didn't feel anything Wow. completely. And I don't know. That's I, like a, that's a, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. You I never, don't know what to, ex, you know, like, there's so, no other explanation. I mean, you're obviously here today, so yeah. you, there's no explanation. There's no explanation. Like, wow. I tried, literally, I tried. I tried ending my wow. life. You know, like, God's not done with me yet. Hmm. I know he's not done with me yet, because there's wow. no other explanation. So what happened from, like, that point on? Like, were you able to share your story with anyone? Were you able to seek help? Were you... Like, what, what steps did you take to kind of move yourself forward at that point? For me personally, um, there's a sense of purpose immediately after I know that God's not done with me yet. Wow. I know there's a huge sense of purpose, which leads me to be like, okay, so, you know, it leaves me curious. Hmm. I'm like, okay, so what is it, God? 
what is it that you want like me to I'm do? still here so yeah I'm still here we? obviously so you have a special plan for me and what is it you know mm-hmm. and so at that point I think I started talking to my friends and it really was hard because you know like I wasn't really close to them and I didn't feel like I could trust them at this point you know like mm-hmm. with my past friendships and they were telling me you're fine mm. I experienced that you know a few days ago and you're fine you know it's just it's nothing it's mm-hmm. just one of those days I truly don't like it when someone says oh, it's just one of those days <laughs> it's actually not one of those days. it's like every second or so your brain reminds you of like yeah oh you know it's you're not important and it's yeah. it's so hard to you know, like finally open up to someone yeah. and tell them, and then to make make you know, like make them feel like I am insignificant. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you have to give to someone if you were sitting down at coffee with them? You know, hey, Laura, I'm going through something, and I'm really at a dark, dark place. What advice would you have for that person? I would. Honestly, if someone would have sit down with me and said what they're experiencing with mental health, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, and everything like that, I would just listen. Wow. I would also remind them that they're very brave. And the pain that they're mm. experiencing is not easy. So they're brave and, you know, they're courageous. They're seen. And, yeah, and they're amazing. They're strong. And I would just remind them that, you know, mm-hmm. like, because the thing about... Um, mental health is that they feel like no one understands them yeah and they feel alone yeah and I think that's the lie that we tell ourselves is when we get we feel more and more and more and more alone mm-hmm. we isolate yeah and then we get further and further away from people and then our mind takes over yeah true and I would just yeah I my only advice is I would just remind them of who they really are mm-hmm. at that point it's so hard to see your true value mm-hmm. you don't see anything yeah. you know you only see your fault do you think it's anything. important for the person sitting across from them to try to relate it is not one of those things that you relate to mm-hmm. it is one of those things that you listen listen and um you, I think that's very powerful yeah you see the value in that person relating is you try to relate it to your own experience, but yeah. it makes the other person feel like... Insignificant. Yeah. Like, it's, they're not important at all. You know, like, mm-hmm. they're not special. And their experience is just one of those experiences that people can, you know, like, that just happened to them or whatever. Like, like everyone has sad days. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. so not true. The depression that I feel, the depression that anyone feels is different. You know, like, and the last thing you want to do is undermine what they're feeling mm-hmm. and make them feel like, oh, I just had one of those tastes too. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not true. You know, like what you're experiencing, I can't relate, mm-hmm. but I feel for you. Yeah. I hear you understand. Absolutely. You know, I'm here for you. What are some key words that um, the listeners would know at that point? This person really needs help or this person shouldn't be left alone. Um, I can only speak from my own experience. From your experience. I find myself saying, oh, nothing, nothing matters anymore. Mm. You know, or I sometimes say, I'm done. I just want to give up. I am done wow. with life. Wow. If I didn't tell people that mm-hmm. I'm experiencing this and this and this, no one would know. No one would know. And um, it's so hard to catch that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a there's power in just listening and like being there. So what are some of the practical things that you do now every day that help you stay healthy mentally and physically? This is a slow process, but I try to take breaks. Wow. And, and by breaks, do you mean rest? I yeah rest from the things that I always do you know like it is important to for me to schedule you know an hour of like 
just break, you know, stop doing what you okay, do. Okay, so I have to know, are you an introvert or extrovert? I am both, I oh, feel like. okay. I can be such an extrovert and just crazy. But um, where do you feel, like, f- filled up? Like, around lots of people or, like, in your quiet time? I can't be on my own for a significant amount of time because it will take me back to that place. Wow. So I, if I have been isolated for, let's say, four hours, I need to get out and I need wow. to see someone and I need to talk to someone because it's easy for me at that moment. I know my triggers. Sure. I really do. Um, if I've been alone in my bedroom for like more than four hours, it would take me back to that moment. I scheduled to like, hey, let's hang out and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have to. I think that that's such a practical piece of advice. And I want you to know that I r- really appreciate you sharing that. Um, because me being 38 and you're... I'm 23. 23. Um, to be able to relate on that level that I thought that was just a me thing. And I absolutely the same thing I cannot be alone and especially in my bedroom for more than a couple hours and um I was telling my husband the other day that whenever I'm sick is like a trigger for me because I'm in my room and Mm -hmm. for a significant period of time and it's interesting how you describe that dark cloud comes over so fast and the feelings and things that you feel like have gone long gone um they feel like they're happening right now and they're coming back so fast. And so I hope that the listeners can hear that when you, you have to know your triggers and even though um, there's recovery and Mm -hmm. there's, you know, such redemption on the other side Mm -hmm. of all of this um, it's an everyday decision. And sometimes, you know, when people say every day, I'm like, it's kind of like an every minute. Yeah. You have to remind yourself and you know, yeah. Decision of like, no, I need to make these choices because yeah. these are my triggers. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing about the triggers because I think that a lot of people don't want to talk about that because yeah. it feels a little vulnerable. Laura, you are so brave today. <laughs> I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your story and being so vulnerable and being so honest. Um, I There's such an authentic... Um, words that you were able to use today that I know that women are going to feel so empowered walking away from listening to this podcast. I know that women are going to feel um, that they're not alone and whether they're dealing with something that may be as similar to you as far as your story goes, or if they know someone that's dealing with something similar for people to be able to sit down and listen and to feel heard, to feel seen and um, to be vulnerable in those moments that we feel safe. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today on the Woman's Story oh podcast. Oh my gosh, thanks for and, asking me. Um, we are so glad that you're here today. So thank you. Gosh, thanks for asking me. Absolutely. It's amazing to be here. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for being a part of the Woven Story. Just remember that your story has the power to inspire, empower, and change lives. We would love to connect with you, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Woven Story. Visit our website at thewovenstory.com where you can hear more stories just like this and you can submit your own. We will catch you next time on our next episode.